Good evening, everyone. You're listening to another episode of the Tall and Short of It podcast. I'm your host, Justin. I'm Aaron. Welcome back, people. How's it going? It's going pretty well, man. Feels good to be back. Good to see you in the flesh, my man. How are you? Always doing well. Well, not always, but I'm doing well today. So. That's what we like to hear, dude. I already got I doctor's appointment towards the end of last week. Got myself on some uh, new ADHD medicine, which I'm excited about because it actually seems to be making a big difference in now, my wait, everyday when did life. You, so, so when did you get them? How long have you been on them? What are you noticing? Um, So got them on Saturday. Took the first one on Sunday to because I wanted to do a little uh, test run and not just start it right off um, on a work day just right. in case there were some side effects or it made me feel too weird or something. But the the main thing, well, the first thing that I noticed is I don't sleep well first off. Um, So I always feel really tired, groggy. It takes me a while to wake up. Even when I drink coffee, it like sort of jump starts me, but doesn't do a whole lot. It like wakes my body up, but doesn't really wake my mind up that much. Gotcha. Um, But I took it before leaving for work. Within a couple minutes, I felt like easily more alert and awake. And like the first couple days now of taking it, I feel like I can just like kind of lock in on something for an extended period of time. Um, I still have to like deal with distractions and things like that. Yeah, obviously. Um, But I can manage them a lot better. They don't really derail me as hard as, previously um so i'm able to kind of i I just feel like much more productive damn that's Um, awesome and it was like an instant difference unfortunately i've had no side effects or anything like that uh, that i've noticed it's only been three days though so who knows but or i guess today's the fourth day um but hopefully it just keeps being helpful so yeah that's awesome yeah so i'm excited about that um so it's definitely started off for a a pretty good week so very good man i'm excited to hear it yeah i noticed um pretty much immediately like when you hopped on there was like an audible note like difference in the tone of your voice and you sounded uh happy to be alive so that's sweet yeah definitely i am uh i'm doing doing pretty solidly nice And now when you say taking them, you mean like crushing them up on your mirror and just putting them straight up your nose, right? Right, exactly. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Just making sure. See, because they're they're slow release to like last me throughout the day, but I just right. want that fast hit. So gotcha. You know. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. We're we're not here to get better. We're here to get high. Exactly. exactly. That's the point. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I'm happy to hear it. That's awesome. <laughs> um but how has your week been, man? Any any big news? What are the goings on over there? 
Well, I've, I've got a couple directions I could go into. I don't know how much you want to hear me rant, but hey, go for it. Speaking of uh, getting high, the uh, government money came in. Got my stimmy check today, um, so we're fucking rolling in the dough. Um, so we did all the responsible things, you know, savings account, investments, that kind of stuff. Um, and then we, but we took a little piece for me and I took it up to the card store and I bought me a box of commander legends. So I was cracking packs, getting that dopamine fixed today. Nice. Um, yeah, got a, got some pretty good pulls, cracked a vampiric tutor. I was pretty happy for that one. Awesome. Um, so yeah, that was, that was today. That was pretty fun. Uh, that's, that's what I was doing before I, before I hopped on, I was, you know, cracking packs and organizing and everything. But, um, yeah, kind of like the tangent that I wanted to go on. I have this like. I have a bunch of topics under like back burner topics that like they've come up, but like haven't had time to hit them or whatever. Um, but yeah, so, and this has happened a couple of times with like people or clients or just like, you know, individuals in the community where they <laughs> offer a position an opportunity a basically a time expenditure on their behalf and they that and they present it as you know a good opportunity for you interesting but it within that opportunity there's no expectation to pay you they're expecting you to put up a lot of the effort they're they're just offering you the space to do your thing at at no charge and in their minds the benefit is like oh you get yourself out there it's a marketing opportunity you can uh gain some new clients but so is this like a trade show opportunity or is this it's more of like a wellness show opportunity and okay. for for this thing specifically but it's been like offered in a couple different forms and it's just gotten to the point where like I'm kind of fed up and it makes me wonder what people are thinking when they say effectively hey oh instead of doing your normal work thing and earning money how about you come stand on my front lawn with your massage chair and see if you can drum up some business and and, and but they're not paying us for our time so i i think there's a couple couple things going on i think hey people man, are but but like it's that's that's what i do whenever i i talk to artists i'm like hey can you make me something for free? You'll get publicity. Well, exactly. From the number one F1 podcast. And people are just chomping at the bit to say, hey, let me do a fuck ton of hard work for no money and exactly. the opportunity to maybe be seen. Exactly. But who knows? <laughs> so so you're with me so you're like totally with me you get what Fuck i'm saying yeah, man okay it's bullshit and, and 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 i'm not looking just like for confirmation bias but just like i you know maybe i was crazy but it's it it is it's presented under the guise of like you know they're doing you this big favor and they're helping you out it's like no motherfucker like my time is worth something 
somewhere around seventy dollars an hour, you asshole. So yeah. if so, if you want me from like eight to twelve on a Saturday morning, guess what? You owe me two hundred and eighty dollars just flat, right? Like I'm not just gonna stand in your front lawn or wherever the fuck in your school parking lot, in your gym, in your goddamn church, you know, church uh, banister. And rub your your aunt's shoulders. Like, I'm not going to do it. No. And there have been other, like, job opportunities offered. And I'm just like, I just want to chop people's heads off and show them, like... Question. Do With your business, do you guys have any, like... And, and not that you need to, but do you run any specials in terms of, like, your first time is half price or your... Okay. Yeah. So, so like, we have that, we have. Go ahead. That in itself is like, if someone's like, "Oh, let me let me promote you by putting you out in front of people." Hey, tell them swing by. They get a fifty percent or whatever the fuck discount. They can give it a shot. It's not going to break the bank in that case, right. and they can see if it works for them. Right. That's a way to drum up business and test something out right that's not just losing you a day of your life for potentially nothing right and more often than not like i've been to these health shows and i've done like chair events and stuff and the amount of business that it had drummed me up post that day zero and i mean hey maybe my hands weren't good maybe i'm an asshole maybe my breast stinks you know, I, all of those things are possible, but it, they, they've all given me the impression that nobody gives a fuck. They're looking for their shoulders to be rubbed for free. And my time is like worth more than that. And so I, and the other thing, like if you wanted to do charity, like you can go out and do that. If, Mm -hmm. if someone's doing relay for life and they're having, like and there are people supporting a call or whatever cause you and Sarah would want to support. Right. And you're like, Hey, you know what? I'll take a, a few hours out of my night, one night here or there, and I'll be at this place to do whatever you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. But that's up to us, right? right. It's not up to, you know, Jimbo. And, and I'll tell you what, I think one of the things that like upsets me more is the fact that most of the time they they've just approached Sarah about it and not that not that they had necessarily like access to me but it's just the fact that it seems as though some of them have looked at at her as just like the sole entity of the business and not that there was like another half and then on top of that what concerns me is the fact that she is the one having to field these offers and these questions, because at the end of the day, I would look at these people and I would say, Hey, why don't you just fuck right off? Right. And, and I would make it like, I would make it very clear that they're actually being like kind of, uh, kind of offensive. Right. Mm-hmm. But the yeah. way me and Sarah have talked about it, like it's, it's almost as though like, She's just like, she's just a bit too nice of a person, honestly. Well, and and I think that's, that's the thing. I think people find women more approachable. So they see her almost as a weaker link, like maybe an easier 
way in to get whatever right. they're looking to get, which is right. also equally not that I think it would potentially be more that as opposed to them seeing her as like the sole proprietor kind of thing. Sure, and, sure. But, you're probably right. But either way, fucked up. Yeah. Bro, <laughs> like, I'm telling you, man, I got so I got so fired up, man. Like so fired up, man. I was throwing the C word around. I was throwing the Q word around. I was the same motherfucker just up and down. Yeah. I'm like, I, it just had me so upset. Cause I was like, man, like, what do people think? They're just like in this, they got like blinders on and all they can see is their own fucking big toe. It's like, Jesus. Well, and the other thing is they probably get semi offended if you turn them down, which yeah. is like, a whole nother thing. It's like, nah, like we're good. Yeah. You guys are doing fine. And if you wanted to drum up more business, you know what you can do? Advertise a little bit more. Right. Right. And like, we're, you could, yeah, you could we're hand out business cards outside of the YMCA. Where oh yeah. People are sore and hurting after their workout. You could That'd spend four funny. hours of your, of your Saturday morning doing that as people are leaving from in their pickup basketball games right. and probably drum up more business from that than you would from doing these wellness shows or whatever. Dude, I'm right there with you. And that's exactly how I feel. Like there are a million and one million and one better ways to spend my time. I it's frustrating. Cause I think a lot of those types of things, like we, for my work, we have a trade show where we mm. go and we meet with vendors. And like, in my eyes, a lot of that seems kind of like a waste of time. Granted, I do would have the opportunity to meet the vendors who I'm working with mm -hmm. in person, which without a pandemic, I probably would have by now anyway. Sure. But with that, I'm going and I'm having to meet all these people who I'm probably never going to work with, who I'm probably not going to build any sort of like working relationship with and just kind of waste my time. Like there, there are minimal benefits in my eyes to those kinds of things. And maybe I'm being a pessimist about them. Uh, Cause maybe there's that one in a million opportunity where I, meet a vendor that I never would have met and like, right. Whatever. But I don't know, man. I th I think it's, it just makes me think of, and my cousin is a graphic designer and I have artists in my family. It just makes me think of people being like, Hey, make this for free for me and I'll, uh, I'll show it to people and you'll get publicity. Yeah. Nah, no, don't waste yeah. our time. Yeah, I'd rather take my average size bag over here. That's can you know? Yeah, whatever. There's yeah. It was just uh, that was a that was a big hoot nanny. Hey, it was man, like I don't blame you for wanting to rant on that. That's that's annoying, dude. Especially I hope the next person asked me. <laughs> yeah, I hope the next person asked me about it because I'm I'm just flat out gonna say like, hey, do you want to fucking come and watch my my paint dry? That's how I feel about what you just asked yeah. me. I'd just be like, hey, 
it's something we've been offered. I'm not really interested. We're doing okay. But if you would want to promote me to your friends, if anyone you know is interested in, in having some work done, I would love to have them in. Right. Well, that's the friendly way to say it. I'd, yeah, I'd, but I'd, I'd I don't want you. Right. I know you do, but I don't want you to piss people off. Because, oh, sure. Yeah. That wouldn't trying, be good. Trying we start to keep, seeing bad reviews. Yeah, we don't yeah, want that. Trying to keep my eye out for you. Sure, a little bit. sure, sure. sure. I appreciate that. But yeah, yeah man. So that's, uh, that's kind of been my week. New cards and dumb people. Hey, there's always going to be dumb people. It's just how you manage it. I know. And ranting on the podcast is an easy way to do that. That's so. a very easy way. It's a very healthy way. Nobody gets hurt. Nobody loses their fucking head. True. Yep. Uh, so where do you want to start today? F1? Look. Before that, I did want to see, I'm assuming you saw, but uh, I wanted to mention that uh, a pretty legendary rapper passed away this past week, unfortunately. Uh, DMX is, uh, yeah. So I just thought that was uh, pretty sad to see, um, especially seeing that it, it sounds like it was a, uh, a drug-induced uh, issue and heart yeah. attack um but a real bummer and i just wanted to give a shout out dmx has some some great music uh but hope the man rests in peace oh, oh, oh x gonna give it to you that's some pump up music for the gym right there man but now i'm gonna be kind of sad whenever it comes on so sure, sure. but like a bummer. to be honest man like that that story has been developing for a couple of years. It's not like just out of the blue. Like no, the people who have not. been closest to him have said, like I've been saying for years, like, yeah, he's not a good spot. He doesn't look good. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a shame because, you know, like some of his friends reached out, you know, there were people in the community that, that loved him and looked up to him and wanted him to be all right. And, you know, again, uh, it's another one, another one gone. Yeah, it's just always sad to me because there's, especially in in instances like that or like it just always makes me think of Mac Miller. Like there's there's people around them who are trying to help, and even at some points, like with Mac, he seemed to be doing good, and mm. just that one relapse ended ended things poorly. Um, yeah. and so it's always yeah, just sad to see. Uh, so if you're having trouble out there. Look to your friends for help. Work on things. Everyone's a work in progress, as Justin reminds me constantly. So, I mean, it'd be it'd be tough not to be reminded when you look up to this absolute just. I mean, what do you want to say? Greek god, Adonis, fucking just absolute role model just de facto number one i say whatever you want about me i'm i'm kind of a big deal seriously (laughs) so it's no surprise that it's intimidating not to toot your own horn or anything yeah 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 not to toot my own horn i mean like usually i'm a pretty humble guy i I like to think i'm a humble guy you know pretty i'd say pretty humble decently humble um, but yeah, I wanted to, to touch on that briefly before we, uh, we rolled into F1. Um, mm. but big race this week, 
Big second race. racing season, Imola. Um, it'll be it's an interesting. Italian race, right? It is Italian. Excuse me. Uh, it is Italian. Um, oh, yeah. Ferrari is so, going to be looking for that win. Yeah, true. Basically, uh, another Ferrari home race. I'm interested to see actually how they do in terms of fans because in Europe there have been some recent uh, spikes in COVID cases in a lot mm. of countries. So I'm hoping that they're still able to get some fans out and do it safely. Um, keep it exciting. And I think the the drivers like having that around. Um, but yeah, we've got uh, an interesting showdown, especially because of this past year, which I wanted to to bring up because this past year at Imola was uh, kind of a, a rough one for the Red Bull team. We had Max, who was up in second. Uh, he made a really nice move on Valtteri, got past him, was moving, and with like 10 laps to go, I think, uh, just, I don't know, I forget if he hit a piece of like shrapnel from something on the, the ground or if uh, something happened, but one of his uh, tires blew, knocked him completely out of the race from, from P2 uh, with not a lot of racing left to go. And then shortly thereafter, we had Alex Albon spinning without hitting anyone and dropping from like fifth place down to last. Which yeah, that one was brutal. That one was 15. really brutal. I think one of the races that helped to seal the fate of Red Bull last year in the constructor standings. And for Alex, like, because yeah. this was, I believe, the uh, the race that mercedes actually locked in the constructors if i'm remembering correctly uh, gotcha so could have been pushed off a little bit longer kept a little tighter if uh, right. max had been able to stay in it didn't have that tire blowout um and at no fault of his own it just was like a weird circumstance during the race kind of thing um but yeah, yeah. just because max is like a subpar driver you know he probably just just Might messed be. up you know could be um, but yeah, and then, and then also it kind of, I feel like this was one of the ones that really may put Alex on, on like a big hot seat. Like to put him of, on the chopping block. Yeah. Um, cause I remember during the race we're sitting there and they're like, Oh, and Albon spins. Oh, I think he might've gotten touched. And then in the replay, he just hit the acceleration a little too hard and just lost it. Mm -hmm. And out. it was like brutal. Well, what's a shame is like, that's so easy to do, but then you think like, well, nobody really does it. You know, this is also the same race that, uh, after Max's blowout, George Russell spun out and crashed under the safety car and had that's to retire. True. So that's true. Uh, weird day. That was a weird, a weird race in terms of some of the stuff going on, but, um, it'll be interesting to see cause we never got to really see how the Red Bulls could have done at the end of that race. So I see what you're saying. Yeah. So this year, um, hopefully we won't see any DNFs because that just makes it more boring. I mm -hmm. like seeing everyone finish and fighting for positions. Right. Um, especially the Red Bull cars. Of course, of course. On there. Um, 
but the other thing that I thought was interesting was that was uh, I f- that was uh, a Daniel Ricardo podium. So that was the first podium that he got during the season. So that was the first shoey then. That, w- no, that's when he forgot to do the shoey. Oh, okay. And so then the the next podium was when he and and Lewis did the shoey together. You think you could buy Daniel Ricardo shoey shoes? I hope not. Do you think you do you think he'd sell those? Because I he, I don't like, there's think no so. way he put his feet back in them. Like they're just garbage. Yeah. Do you think they sell them out? Are they on display somewhere? I want them to be on display in my in my living room. I hope that they throw them out. Is that a title? Shoey shoes. Shoey shoes. Might be. I don't know, dude. But yeah, like I buy them. How much you you know, like uh, Lennon's sunglasses or like Hendrix's guitar, the Daniel Ricardo's shoey shoes. Sell them for like twenty five hundred bucks, something like that. Interesting. I'm sure. I'm sure that there are. Big Danny Ricardo Australian or just international fans that would love to to have some memorabilia, let alone a shoe that he wore when he got a podium. That would mean that his lips touched it. Well, and it would. I, you could I was put your lips on the shoe, and then you basically have kissed Daniel Ricardo. I mean, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking more on the uh, the side of they would have a piece of memorabilia from one of his podiums, which is pretty cool. So. Yeah, but you would also have his DNA, too. That's cool. <laughs> True. Maybe some beer residue or you champagne think, residue. You think the value of a shoey shoe goes up if they're if they're deceased? Probably. Okay. So I think you would want to then have him um, pass away. I don't think you'd want that. Because if you you are excited about you, that would be optimal. Well, who's going to resell a shoey shoe? I would if it skyrocketed upwards. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah, that's what Uh, we're talking about. (laughs) Investments. These are my investment strategies. (laughs) <laughs> buy someone's shoe that they drank champagne out of yeah. and then hope that they <laughs> skyrocket in value for some undisclosed reason. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think that karma will be good to you if you're hoping for someone to pass away so a piece of memorabilia is more valuable. <laughs> I think karma does not look kindly on that. Yeah, I don't think it would either. And it's a bit of a singular lifestyle, isn't it? You're just like, you know, you're all in on this one thing. All in on the shoey shoes, man. And maybe I can buy some baseball cards too. There you go. Shoey shoes and baseball cards. They tell me to diversify. Boom. Boom. You're hit, hitting it out of the park. Yeah. All right. So, all right. So he didn't do a shoey. Um, but no, okay. but he got the podium. Danny uh, Kvyat was fourth that race. In, I think, in general, I think it was uh, last season. Um, Still kind of crazy that he's not driving because he really, I think he performed pretty well. Granted, very happy to have Yuki in the the AlphaTauri lineup. No shade to Yuki. 
Um, Haas could have used Danny. I think he... Uh, I know that they're going for the young lineup, getting their rookies some time, but it's it's tough when there are such limited number of spots and there are people that you could just see easily jumping back into F1 and, and performing well. Because he yeah. performed pretty well, especially late on in the season. I still think that Nico Hulkenberg would be awesome to have on the grid. Um, I'm pretty sure he got picked up by who did he get picked up by this past week as reserve driver? Don't know. I want to say Aston Martin. I'm very yes, Aston Martin did. Uh, Aston Martin signed last year's super sub Nico Hulkenberg as reserve driver for 2021. That's right. Hey, that's good. I didn't. I uh, I missed that, but I'm happy that he's got a spot in a team somewhere. Um, so he's still hanging around the paddock, as they say. Well, and also, I wouldn't be super shocked, depending on how things go with Seb, if at some point Seb decides to retire. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. Obviously, it's early in the season, but. It seems like he, between last year and struggling a little in the first race, uh, that's got to be kind of tough on him. I I could imagine him not being super thrilled about long-term if that's kind of how things are going to go for him. Um, But I would love to see Seb around, but having Hulkenberg there in the wings is definitely not a a bad thing. So Yeah, it's, it's... It's hard to say with Vettel. Like I, I, I saw a headline. Um, old dog tries to learn new tricks, and it's just kind of like a bit disheartening. And you know, maybe people are just looking for a story. But yeah, at the the first race out for Seb wasn't that hot. Uh, maybe um, I just looked up Seb Vettel and I found the the article you're looking at or that you saw, and that's a brutal way. Mm-hmm. To say it, yeah, yeah, the yeah. yeah. Is Vettel, an extremely old dog, to learn new tricks. Oh hell they didn't yeah! Even say old dog. They said extremely old. Damn. Okay, so I was being nice to Seb. So yeah, and that extremely is, old dog. He's thirty three. Right. He's not that old. No, it's crazy. Lewis is older than him by like three, three years. years. Yeah. That's crazy to me. No, what's even crazier is that they've all been racing together for forever. Yeah, that's true. You know, and then they just had they all like they they all probably have friends that have like fallen by the wayside, never made it to F3, never made it to F2. You know what I mean? Yeah, but they got they got Lewis Seb and Kimi Raikkonen. <laughs> Dude, the fucking the old heads, man. The ice man. <laughs> the ice man, Kimmy Raikkonen. What a guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of uh, just a shakeup of, of how things ended last year at Imola. So interesting to see how, how teams do. Um, with, the, with the DNFs, it's hard to see uh, if Red Bull... Well, I mean, Max was in second before he DNF'd, so I think 
based on car for performance this year and everything, wouldn't be shocked to see them perform pretty well. Right. Uh, but then also just another recap for driver's standings. We've got Lewis in first, Max in second, Valtteri two points behind Max in third, Lando Norris fourth, Sergio Perez fifth, Charles Leclerc sixth, Danny Ricardo seventh, Carlos Sainz eighth, Yuki Sonoda ninth, and Lance Stroll tenth with that last point. So Hell yeah. Got uh pretty pretty uh diverse top ten. So we'll see how that goes. And then of course Mercedes a little ways ahead of Red, ahead of Red Bull in the constructors. Red Bull not too far behind, McLaren there in third, and Ferrari in fourth. So uh yeah, I'm interested to see how things end up after this race. Should be fun, should be exciting. Uh I'm pretty pumped for it. Yeah, so. I'm hoping for I'm hoping for some fun qualifiers. Um anybody that's getting your news from us, which I can't imagine is most of you, but anybody getting their news from us, the qualifiers were pushed back to later on Saturday. Um, so check your local times to see when they go live for you. Um, but yeah, if you were counting on like uh, 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. qualifiers, just check the website to make sure because um, it may be later than you expected. Um, yeah, I'm hoping for clear skies, warm weather uh, for the Im- Imola race on Sunday. Hoping for a good performance from Max. Hoping for a good performance from the Alpha Tauri boys. Looking forward to seeing my boy Valtteri. Um, yeah, I think it'll be a, I think it'll be a fun race. Look for bonus episode three, Imola yep. race companion. Uh, coming up in the next couple episodes, uh, we're gonna shift some things around. Figure out a way to get you guys. Uh, at least a depiction of the race, some form of depiction. We don't want to like copyright infringe or anything like that, Um, but we're going to figure out something so you guys can follow along with the race as we're talking. um, Cause I know it can be kind of hard to follow along. So stay tuned for the bonus apps for the race companions. Those go live on YouTube on Sunday. The uh, we don't do audio for those. So just look on YouTube. Um, I can't think if there's any, I think that's all the house cleaning stuff for like F1 related content. Um, and and the one for this week may not have the images that we're hoping to get going for it. Uh, it depends how quickly we can put something together. Right. But, um, hopefully we will have that coming up for future bonus episodes. So Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. Uh I think that'll add a good amount of um production value to the to the videos. A little pizzazz. A little pizzazz. You got it. A little bit of comeback sauce. There we go. Um but yeah, I guess uh that kind of wraps up F1 topics. Um, yeah, because there wasn't a race this past weekend, just a little bit of a preview going forward into this week. Yep. Um mm-hmm. but this past weekend, we did have some banger series in the LCS uh, losers bracket finals, and then the LCS summer or 
spring showdown finals spring yeah. showdown spring half spring yeah. first half of the year before the, the msi showdown the rom springer showdown the before the summer time tournament half first half showdown the first half showdown first half of the year showdown spring before split i mean uh first spring first half of the season showdown it was the first cut of the half of the year the 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 the, the wet half this was the wet split showdown the wet split showdown Dude, can you imagine? I, I I wonder if that's like a category anywhere, like a wet split. Like it's not not just somebody doing a split and not somebody with wet pants, but somebody with wet pants because they're turned on doing a split, a wet split showdown. So I like, don't know. But like someone on the internet has told me that if you can think of it. It is out there. Yeah. I'm not going to be the one to Google it. You you guys go Google it. Good luck. But yeah, it could be like, so you know how it's like a wet t-shirt contest? What if it's like wet t-shirt contest for the upper half and then wet split showdown for the bottom half what? for people that are yeah, for people that are into that sort of thing? <laughs> That's another title. Wet split showdown. Hell yeah, dude. It's a slightly concerning title, but I uh, I'll mull over it. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, maybe shoe shoes better. But anyway, yeah. So we had uh, TSM versus Liquid on Saturday, and we had Cloud Nine versus Spoiler, Spoiler, Spoiler Team Liquid. Yes. Yeah, because they beat TSM three one. Well, and. So to start off with the TSM Liquid Series, what do you got? My first thing that I have to say is that Tactical was being actively disrespected by Freak and Kobe on that cast, and it bothered me. This man goes... 7 0 and 2 in game one, 4 3 7 game two, 5 2 and 2 in a loss in game three, and then 6 1 and 6 in game four. This man was going off. Didn't I, I can say that he did not have a bad game in the series. And they're out there going, oh, and Alfari is 1v9ing and saying shit like that. Oh, and he, uh, Tactical got picked once on Varus, and they're sitting there, and the next, the next, uh, play that comes up, he ults, gets a double kill, and they're like, oh, and Tactical made up for that last mistake, and <laughs> shit like that. I'm like, this dude goes 7-0-2 uh. in the first game, and is... 45 CS above his lane opponent. And they were just actively saying these things. He, his positioning throughout the series was so good. Mm-hmm. He was making aggressive plays. And yes, then on a immobile 80 carry, 
that has no escapes, he got picked off one time. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, bow down to Alfari. The rest of Team Liquid fucking blows. Like, right. I, I, it was killing me watching it, man. That was tough because I was looking at it and seeing his positioning and he's getting double kills. He's getting triple, triple kills. I think he got a quadra in one of the games and they're, they just weren't talking about it. And it frustrated me. Cause I'm like, like what else does this man have to do to get some respect? Yeah, he would, uh, he would have had to be doing a lot for them to, for them to talk about it. It seems like, it seems like the narratives and the storylines are like set up a little bit and then it's easy to just like do the normal like meme commentary on everybody else. Like they'll they'll deep dive the you know, they'll deep dive Alfari and talk about his strategy and just be like, oh, you know, tactically it's you know, he gets picked once, he's so shit. Like they just it, it's easy to dismiss because this whole series we're supposed to be talking about Alfari and diving into what he's doing, which yeah. is unfortunate because, yeah, I think uh, Tactical played an incredible series. Well, and granted, Alfari did play extremely well, but just, like, the shade being thrown out about, like, saying 1v9 and shit like that, it's right. like, that just mean you're, the rest of your team's trash. That's what you're saying when you say 1v9. Mm-hmm. So you playing against your teammates and the other team. Like, that's right. not what was happening in the slightest. Um, no, he had, uh, he had quality set up, especially from... Uh, especially from Core JJ, I know, I know. Off um, off screen, we were talking about how um, Core JJ on Rel was just so instrumental throughout the whole series. Scary, um, that very scary on that champion. Yep, yep, yep. The um, I think one of the big like takeaways for me, and I I say this all the time. It's such a hot take, but. I think a lot of times TSM lost it in the pick and ban. The crocodile pick just was not impressive. They focused on it too much. Yep. Um, and it didn't gain Hooney anything ever. Um, it, it really didn't. They they really like... Um, oh, I'm blanking on the phrase. Just zoned in on, on that pick for whatever reason. I don't blinders. know. Maybe if it was, maybe it was really good in scrims. I have no idea, but right. it, it just didn't work out. And like the other thing with how TSM played was they they had opportunities. They were close in games, and they just kind of in those key moments where it's make or break, they just didn't. They weren't getting it. Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't they weren't getting the big plays. They weren't winning those team fights that that kind of finalized things. And that's tough. They play. I think they played honestly really well. Uh, Spica looked really good. I agree. Uh, Sword Art looked really good throughout the series. I thought. Yeah, the two of them were solid. Power of Evil was like he was fine. Mm-hmm. He was solid. He had some big plays, but just overall. Um, I think TSM played pretty well. One of the other big uh, big keys, though, that I, I from what I was watching, was 
Armeo. This man steps in for Santorin into the LCS jungle roll because Santorin had migraines and couldn't couldn't focus to be able to even play, which mm. I feel for him. I get migraines occasionally. It's brutal. Like it's I can't do anything when that happens. Yeah. Uh, and so that he dude stepped in and stepped up and played like other LCS teams should look at picking him up for the second half of the season, potentially, because that man does not need to be playing Academy the way that he came up and really showed out um, in a, a short time. I was really impressed with his performance. He wasn't a liability, and it was obvious that he did have... Um, it was obvious that he was a skilled player. Uh, it was rough for me not knowing. I had a hot take with Sarah when they... Um, and yeah, I really ate my words on this series where they announced that Armal was you know, stepping in for Santorin. And I thought the series was over just right there. I honestly did. I did too. Yeah. Santorin was probably the be second best jungler in the league. That's exactly, yeah. That's exactly what I said to Sarah too. And I thought before they even played any games, it was just going to be over. That speaker was going to be able to just dominate that matchup and make it a not fun time for someone who should have been a class below uh, what Speaker was able to do. But yeah, he played a perfectly serviceable series. Um, he had, let me look at his champion picks. I know we have game one on Udyr, game two on the Nocturne, game three on Hecarim, and game four on Hecarim as well. Yeah. Playing like comfortable on the meta, the turn, the game two nocturne was pretty sweet. I th I thought the game two nocturne was really good. Um, it made a yeah. big big impact. He was able to make good plays with it. Um, yep. Yeah, I, I was just really impressed with him. He he had big shoes to fill, and mm -hmm. he he most certainly did that. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. What was crazy is. Like, dude, you just saw it over and over. Like, TSM had gold advantages. TSM had, like, skill advantages. They had pick ban advantages. But when, like, in the moments in game, like, you just saw the play, like, just break down and fall apart. And they would just get wiped in these fights or make a bad call or, like, get caught in a rotation. And it was just over right from there. It's like, damn, you, like, you play clean for 34 minutes and you just lose it just straight like that. That yeah. feels bad as a TSM fan. Um, but yeah, liquid definitely played the better series. They were, they were just more together and honestly, God forbid TSM won that series. Cause they would have gotten picked the fuck apart by cloud nine. Yeah. I really cloud nine looked insane in their series. I know they, they dropped two games to liquid, but they looked insane, bro. Yeah, they were they were wild in that series, and I was really really impressed with how they played. Um, I'm not I'm not saying we have to like skip right there. I was no, just, no, I was no. just comparing the like yeah, if TSM had to play them, man, it was brutal, or it would have been brutal. Um, but yeah, like kudos to Liquid. I thought they played a great series. Jensen, uh, Jensen was on top of it. The fact that the fact that Tactical and Core JJ were like two v twoing. Um, uh, 
fucking lost and what's his name Sword. and Sword. it's just like damn man damn i i just did not think they were gonna get outclassed as much as they did and yeah. in like the key big moments it's like man how do you like throw a fight with an ak gold advantage how do you blah blah and like how do you bet it's just like god damn tsm god damn yeah well uh, it's a rough tournament to be a tsm fan it was because they they had really like pretty good early objective control for the most part i would say and i don't know they fucked off around dragon a couple of times throughout the series and just like literally like lost it in that well, river. It, was, it was those fights that that they lost it for sure but they were they were doing a good job with their setup and things like that it was just when it actually came to fighting it, yeah it was the execution of it they just didn't yeah. have the mechanics man T like liquid just were playing better yeah like you know they were literally just like clicking the buttons better in in the way that TSM was playing with massive gold leads and they were just getting their dick kicked in. Well, like good teams don't do that. That's something that I was also kind of curious about your opinion on. So I definitely understand the benefits and where gold leads are important and things like that. Yeah. Do you feel like it's kind of harped on too much in the broadcast? For them, there's no other way to tell the story. For them, there's no other way to tell the story without getting in the weeds of item spikes, dragon benefit, team composition. Like, they they have to paint in such broad strokes that okay. it's an easy way for them to tell the story of the game. Do I believe that the gold lead is directly tied to the discrepancy of a game no because like they try and talk about is there's early game comps and late game comps and things that spike at 22 minutes there's things that spike with their when they get their kraken slayer when seraphine gets her moonstone you fight right away you you fucking everybody go to the dragon because it like that's a big power spike um so no i don't think the gold leads are everything but i do think if if the number is x large that's important because then you're talking about multiple mythic items or multiple items spread across multiple champions then we're talking about a significant power trough a significant power difference between players and teams but if we've got like a 1.2 gold lead and they're like, oh no, they've got a 2K gold lead and butter. Well, they were even saying it when it was like a hundred gold different or two. They'd be like, oh, and and whoever just took the took the gold lead and it's right. like 200 gold. It's Dude, like, yeah, that's like that's the difference wave, of like bro. four potions. That's a minion wave. Like right. that's not. It's not that big of a deal. And I think it's more casters reaching and trying to paint in broad strokes. Okay. And I understand that they do have a hard job. Like I couldn't fucking do it. And I get that. It was just, it seemed like a lot when I was watching, I was like, they would be like, Oh, and gold lead for whoever. And I would look at it. And I'm like, it, it's basically even mm -hmm. like, what you, like, why are you, 
saying it that way. And honestly, I really wish that they would talk about some of those item power spikes and things like that more. Because the gold lead doesn't mean shit if the 80 carries sitting on a thousand gold and the top laner hasn't based in five minutes. Right, right. Those are timings that they never talk about. They're going for a fight and the other team just bought, but you still have gold to spend. Like they could be talking about, oh, they haven't spent their gold. Should they concede this fight? Should they concede this objective? Should they Mm -hmm. wait until they're on an even playing field? Because even if the gold is even doesn't mean that the game state is depending on right. where things are at. And I think that something like that, and I know we've talked about it, but like having a higher level broadcast mm-hmm. or even I think if they did sprinkle some of those things in more often, more of the viewership would understand what's going on mm-hmm. And be able to relate to it. Like, I think that dumbing things down for viewership in the long run ends up being detrimental. Like, initially, everything has a learning curve. And everything's kind of confusing the first time you do anything. Yeah. But if they are doing that throughout the season, they build on it some. Right. Then they could really do a much better job of painting the picture and also building their audience's knowledge of the game that can potentially benefit and then and their enjoyment of the game like yeah okay so two points on that i think freak does a decent job at bridging competitive and solo queue sometimes where there are insights that he'll have that if i was still playing the game i'd be able to be I like it, it is a useful chunk i can directly apply it to gameplay and be like oh that is useful information yeah um, and he does that well with his like he is a high skill level player still right thing and so he does really that's one thing that i will not uh shit on him about is that he he does bridge that pretty well right and you 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 touching on it there as well he's a high level player a large number of the player base of league it's like 65 70 percent bronze and silver it is overwhelmingly on the low end of the of the of the skill skill base so the cast is going to be that way. You know, if if nobody was bad at the game, if everybody was like gold, plat, and diamond, and, you know, North America was just foaming at the nose with challenger players, then I imagine the cast would be a, of a higher level. And then, so game five of Cloud9 versus Liquid, when Liquid got lane swapped on, that would have been a caster's dream of a game to talk about when I'm not sure they were able to focus on what was going on as much as, you know, fuck me for saying it, but as Doe and Monty used to be able to do back watching LCK or um, watching Emily Rand do it and Frostkirin do it for LPL. Like when those teams were lane swapping, that was some of the most complicated League of Legends ever. And oh. Cloud9 did it this Sunday and nobody gave a fuck. 
they just they were like, oh, and a really unique start that really paid off. It's yeah. Like, it's like, what are you talking about? They just did the toughest thing you can do in this game. Yeah. It takes they, they not only like did a lane swap, but they did it without going through vision. They did it without the other team having an inkling of an idea that this was happening. And they got first blood immediately off it to snowball the game and start lost a three buff yeah. with the scion pick. So not only not only do you do this well documented thing, like there are there are journalists and esports or League of Legends experts that could break down the whole the whole lane swap meta for you. But so Cloud9 did did the thing, the cookie cutter strategy thing, but then they did it with finesse and pizzazz with the goddamn Scion 3 buff. Like that yeah. was beautiful. Because not only was it, it's not like they had to go way outside of the meta to to pull that three buff off. Everybody was playing Scion. So why would they think anything different when they lock in the Scion and the pick and ban? They're like, oh yeah, motherfucker, this thing's going to steal your blue. And they're just thinking, oh, this is just some regular top lane matchup. Like they gamed the whole thing. And like, that's what I'm talking about where like best of ones are so dumb because that shit can't happen really. Right. But they and pulled out, they fucking nailed it, man. It was beautiful. I hope that the LCS and, excuse me, their crew does one of the play breakdowns. Like, they used to do, and I don't know if I just, like, not being in the League of Legends client since I am not haven't been playing and I've only been watching has when made they do sick. like the circles and the lines and yeah, the this and the, the that, dude. Those were team, fucking awesome. The team fight breakdowns and the different yeah. stuff like that. That would be insane to be like and going helpful. through that in that intro game state where they're like, oh, because Team Liquid put down their ward in the red buff brush but they didn't ward deep in the tri brush on top side. They didn't catch that. The, the Cloud9 duo lane had swapped up top. And, like, there are so many, like, little intricacies that they could break down so well. And mm -hmm. I would love to see that. Yeah. And I think it would be awesome to, to look at. And I, I feel like they haven't been doing as much of that. And I'm curious if that was due to pandemic. Maybe the, I say. I, the I, splitting of everybody led to like creative milieu. Yeah, and it it sucks because they. I really enjoyed all of those. Or mm -hmm. like, uh, well, they help you understand the game better. They help you understand pro thought and comms and how things work. Really, and seeing like when they would do it for team fights, and they're like, oh, because this team has a front to back team fighting comp, they're keeping their damage dealers a little ways behind their front line, and they're using their CC to lot like. It's so there's so many cool intricacies and stuff like that can so easily get glossed over. And it's just it's sad from my perspective as someone who has watched the game for a long time. And I understand mm -hmm. that there's tons of viewership that is not high skill players. There's tons of viewership, I'm sure, that are newer to the game and don't get it. But like 
they're not going to get it if you don't talk about it. Like, yeah, no, that's a really good point. Yeah. People like, yeah, that may be out of their realm of what they understand right away. But if they're never seeing complex ideas or like more descriptive ways of, of breaking down these strategies and things like that, or gameplay, like, they're not going to like for mm-hmm. me when i was first learning the game i watched a bunch of streamers that were more educational mm-hmm. night blue three who ended up fucking off and being some kitty like rage streamer after a while originally was like a really informative jungle teaching challenger tier player yeah i learned how to be a decent jungler from watching that man's streams and his pathing and how he like approached fights and things like that stuff that I never would have learned if I, by just playing the game and hope I got better. Like you need some additional analytics for people to improve. And if the games weren't like, if the games weren't happening live, yeah, you would have to go for like VOD breakdowns after the fact that aren't coming from, um, you know, LOL esports, which is unfortunate because you're right. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, you really hit it on the head. How are you going to teach people to play if you don't teach and, them to play? And they have intelligent people on the analyst desk and on for sure the yeah like, Kobe, except for primal who the fuck is he like what is he ranked where I, is he from i honestly don't know much about him not really sure but like freak is a diamond to masters tier 80 carry player mm-hmm. Kobe is a former i'm pretty sure former lcs jungler briefly if briefly, i'm yeah. correctly yeah um Emily Rand, who you mentioned being phenomenal on the LPL con, uh, uh, LPL. She used to be a caster, right? Casting, yeah. She did the English cast for the LPL with Frost. Mm-hmm. Like she was on the analyst desk mm-hmm. for the the championship and everything. Like you have these people that have this ability to do those things, and I hope that it's a pandemic issue that afterwards they'll be able to utilize some of that more, have a little bit better uh, production for some of these things. But I love the game, man. And Mm -hmm. I would love to see other people get to understand it more so that I, I think that makes it more hype. Like, if you're just watching a bunch of shit happen and you don't know what's happening, like the only way you can tell how good it is is based on like the casters and how excited they are. Right. Like you're you're not able to look at it and be like, Oh, this team fights breaking down, but like, Oh, tacticals there in the wing and he hasn't used his ult yet. And he's able to like you, there are things that you start to pick up on the more that you, understand the complexities of the game that make it even more enthralling to watch. And the fact that you and I have those from the years of watching playing and things like that 
even though we don't play now, we can still see those moments and get super pumped and be really into it and excited because we have that knowledge. And mm-hmm. I would love to see them like try and expand that for other people, newer players and things like that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, Cause yeah, to you, to your point about them, um, kind of not like, like, yeah, kind of bad mouthing, um, kind of bad mouthing tactical a little bit, just, the total glossing over of the lane swap. It's just like, like, man, like, what are we doing here? What kind of League of Legends are you here for, man? Because, like, that was the coolest thing I've seen all weekend. Yeah. That was the dopest shit I saw in both series. Uh, potentially all season. That's yeah, yeah, and they barely talked about it. Pretty sure that was the first lane swap from level one that happened all season. Yeah. Um, They're... I can't think of it, and if I if I missed one, I mean that's on me. But right, I, I, I don't think there was though, man. I, I really don't, don't think remember there was. anyone doing that. And like, yeah, the tactical thing just also really bothered me because the man was like playing really, really well, and Lost and Sword Art are solid. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Tactical and Core JJ were like, even in game three that they lost, what with the Varus and the Thresh, they had that 2v2 double kill down yeah. lane early on where they pretended to base. Core, uh, Core JJ pops out, gets the flay, gets the hook through the minions onto loss. Mm-hmm. Then they're able to chase down Sword Art get another flay and hook onto him and take him out too. And like, like that was so well played. And to hear them just like talk about tactical, like he wasn't doing anything was just like, felt right. bad. Like, Oh, it's all just the God core JJ just setting him up. And yeah. Yeah. You have to and figure I mean, they're doing it together, man. Exactly. And I mean, granted, Core JJ is phenomenal. He's such a good support. But Next world champion. That was that was just like one thing that and I rewatched all the, the highlights for all the games today, just mm-hmm. as like a quick refresher on stuff to make sure that I'm like got it all locked in. And yeah, I I had noticed it originally during the broadcast. And then watching it back in the highlights, it was even in the highlights you heard it. That's rough because it was it was every team fight. Right, and like, he's hit sitting there, especially like game one. He's sitting there on the Zaya in the back line, popping off, and just nothing. No cares for the seven and O Zaya. It was all about the six and two Alfari man. The man gets no respect. <laughs> speaking of speaking of no respect, who the fuck is writing these Google pages? Because I see all the time they get the player names just you totally wrong. TSM's jungler is not Gadooniker. <laughs> Obviously, he's the best jungler the world's ever seen. I didn't and think that was his name though. And TSM's AD carry Yannico. Yeah, I don't even know who that is. Like, and I guess Power of Evil wasn't even there. They just had bots playing the mid lane. Yeah, it was just it was just 
Oriana, the champion. Right. She was playing herself. Oriana played herself. Yeah, just like really weird, man. No, no respect to the game. Yeah, that's. I don't a think little, anybody's using it. A little weird. Oh, and and really, honestly, the reason that Liquid uh, just stomped TSM in Game Four was because, as you can see on Google, Azir had no kills, no deaths, no assists, and no CS. The man was AFK. Oh, that's game. why they lost. Fuck, dude. I didn't even realize. I didn't even realize it was a 4v5. Yeah, it's the shit. Yeah, the people doing the the Google uh, stuff. (laughs) Don't quit your day job, folks. Too funny, man. Too funny. You got to love it. But I guess uh, on that note, we can move on. We've we've touched on some aspects of the... uh, the cloud nine team liquid series. Um, but with uh King, their jungler aisles, uh, 80 carry. Yeah. And perks. Yeah. The only guy with caps. That's so funny. All (laughs) caps perks. Yo, can you, I thought thought all caps was on fanatic. I was just about to say that. Can you imagine if uh, caps and perks did like the fusion dance from dragon ball Z? Oh, (laughs) love it. Dude. What if, what if they actually just like turned into faker and not faker 2.0, like caps plus perks makes faker. They just like there's a puff of smoke and Faker's just standing there like, like in his T one jacket. Or no, there's a puff of smoke and Faker does the little somersault tumble that he did on stage for the one worlds. Bro, that was the least accurate, like the least athletic thing I've ever seen happen in my life. I would rather go back to middle school gym class get drafted for basketball last do 10 jumping jacks on my spindly little knees. And that would have been more athletic than what Faker fucking did. That was crazy, bro. It was, but Ninja it's like- Faker. Can you, uh, I have literally seen a YouTube video named Faker, the unkillable demon King God or whatever. And People- he looked like an awkward child. Yes. <laughs> And he rolled onto a stage. I mean, for on one hand, what a weird world. On one hand, mad respect because no matter what, he had the confidence to do that in front of a shit ton of people. On the other hand, don't do that, man. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> don't Can you, do yo, that, what if it was like, what if it was like his girlfriend? Okay, Faker is a virgin before that world finals, and his girlfriend is like, I'll let you smash if you roll onto that stage, you fucking dirty <laughs> and motherfucker. Like, and and Faker's like, like, hell yeah. Hell yeah, dude. And afterwards, he's like, he didn't say I had to be good at it. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> God damn, that was the cr- that was the cringiest role I've ever seen. I'd rather watch the Power Rangers front flip into battle 50 times than watch him do that role. 100%. 100%. Holy God. But yeah, man. All right, so Caps plus Perks. 
uh, Dragon Ball Z fusion dance. Equals faker. Oh, wait, this side. There we go. <laughs> All right, um, so King and Isles. Yeah, King and Isles. Uh, game one, though, it was Jensen made up for his struggles on Victor in the TSM series. Because, uh, man, he he went off on that. And, like, it was a it was a solid game and such a close game too. Mm-hmm. But well, this was a close series overall. It was, um, and also still again kind of sad that Santorin was out for the mm-hmm. second series too. Um, who knows whether it would have made a difference or not? It, it may. It would have made a huge difference. I can I can think that, but at the same time, the lack of preparation for like Blabber, I feel like is a pretty intelligent jungler in terms of tracking opponents and like kind of getting a feel for what they're going to do. I think not having any experience against Armeo definitely makes it tougher i don't think that armeo is as good as santorin so obviously that skill difference makes a difference in for Ah, but i think i think when you're preparing for a certain jungle player and a, a certain style and you are looking at and studying their typical pathing and things like that and then all of a sudden there's a wild card like that like that's why teams will use substitute junglers often as like their sixth man for international best of fives. Like uh, it shakes it up. It changes the pace. Like I think of all the, the roles in league jungle, switching up a jungler is probably the most impactful substitution you can make player-wise in terms of changing how the game is being played and looked at and things like that. So So you actually think it was a boon for Team Liquid that they got to go in with this, with this on... Not fully. I think it it kind of... Blabber could have seen the TSM series and he would have been able to go back and watch Academy games, which I'm sure he did got a little bit in but it was also a very last minute kind of swap like it was i'm pretty sure the day of the tsm series the day before cloud nine played them that they were like oh yeah by the way santorin's out he's got migraines sorry right so he would have had 24 hours give or take to prepare fully prep which i mean isn't a lot it's not not a a lot but I, so in that sense, like, I don't know if Santorin being there would have meant Team Liquid wins that series. I think it's almost like a net zero. Okay. With that, because you're not prepared for the person you face, but they're slightly less skilled than the person that you would have faced. Right. So it's like... Tough to say. I feel for Team Liquid, though, because I would have liked to see the matchup just like full strength versus full strength and see how it goes. Um, but honestly, super close series. Uh, like we said, that first game, 
I mean, you look at it. Final gold total was 2,000 apart, one kill apart, one tower apart. And really the big difference was Team Liquid securing the the extra elder. Getting the elder, getting the, the dragon soul. Um, that was... That's what I meant to say, the dragon soul. I'm sorry, I cut you off to be wrong. Well, they, they did get the elder. Though, they did, too. but... Uh, I, the the fight that the it kind of flipped on its head was the dragon soul fight it was yeah yeah and so that was like just a really really good game um going into game 2 i oh and this is something that i i wanted to mention as well okay. um the standout player for me for the series was honestly fudge. I know that Perks played like a fucking maniac, but everyone expects that. And when you look at Alfari, who across the board was definitely the top top laner in LCS throughout that the first half of the season up until that point. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people expected Fudge to be able to hang with him like he did. And he was never down very far in CS. He was never that far behind. He was making some really solid plays. So I just wanted to to put out some respect uh, for Fudge because I was very impressed with how he uh he handled that so well and five different champs in five different games too that's not easy definitely not um and i i what i was gonna say with game two which uh is why it reminded me of my uh me wanting to shout out fudge was that malphite pick man he like he was making plays with that ultimate he was turning on people he was that was that was huge well, it's such a destructive ultimate. It's so game changing, and you have the um, like fucking Hecarim Rakan like ball delivery system. You just you're not getting out of there alive. Definitely. Um, but you're right. He was he was such a big linchpin in that team comp, um, in that team composition. That yeah, he was uh, definitely definitely. Uh, MVP of that game, I would say. And uh, yeah, played great throughout the series, to your point. Yeah, I was really, really impressed uh, with that. Um, game three, though, uh, I mean, it was it was just a really hard-fought series. Like, I was, mm-hmm. I was very concerned in game three, just seeing how that went. And just knowing at the end of it that Cloud9 was down two to one going and had to win two games to to win out for the series. Mm-hmm. I was like I I honestly was like up oh, I was preparing myself for for a four game series. For the three one, man. I was I was ready to to be sad. I was ready right. to be a sad boy. Uh <laughs> they did it, man. Games four and five, they brought it back. 
They did. It was they really brought it back. The the Alistair pick in game four I thought was huge. Um and Fudge on the Gragas had some insane body slams. Um the I'm I'm specifically thinking of the one play in the bottom lane, I know. Mm. Um yeah, I think he was just playing really good. He was and uh, perks perks like showed up for those last two games are and he i mean he showed up all series the man like didn't have a single bad game um but got the 3-0 and 7 on zoe um he was in like he should have been in a losing lane versus the victor early on and mm-hmm. he was like slightly ahead and I was just like, that's that's just perk stiff, like mid lane difference. That there you go. That is, I would say that's that's a good, just like simple way to describe the lack of strong casting. Is it's so easy for them to use the meme terms that mean like something to the people that know, but. I, I, I heard them say so many times they're just like, oh yeah, that's just a uh, top difference right there. It's like, well, what does that mean? Like, what is the actual top difference? Right. It's just right. such an easy thing for them to just like, oh, yep, that's my that's my take. And and granted, I think they did mention for a split second that Zoe should not be even with Victor at that point. I think right. they did mention that in the cast. But the fact that like they could have talked about it like Zoe late game a hundred percent hits harder than Victor. Victor hits hard late game, but a Zoe can can one shot people late game. Mm-hmm. Like Victor can't quite do that unless you're double lift at worlds. Like that's that's he does a lot of damage, but it's not as bursty as Zoe. Right. It doesn't happen all at once. It's like right. a little bit over time. Yeah. Yeah. And not over time, but it's not necessarily. It's not a as one shot. Yeah. Because like, because being able to like immediately insta burst someone like that as a Zoe can you're just instantly in a four v five. Victor at least has to put himself out there and like hit his E, get a Q on him, throw the ult down. Like, you have to throw a lot right. of stuff. You can't just be like, ha-ha, I'm two screens away. Boop, oh, and you're gone. And right. I also teleported back a screen away. Force a base, <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. So... I was that, just thinking of the burst potential of Victor, but yeah, you're right. I think Zoe he, is he a does, little more... Uh, he does have good bursts, like, granted, but not not on the same level. Right, uh, but that game, I mean, that was huge. Like Perks played super, super well with that, and then it, like game, game five was just it was a stomp. Like from that that start, getting the lane swap, getting the kill, getting the three buff, it, they just. They came out to play. They said, I'm tired of losing. Right. They just were after it. I think I think what's funny is it seemed like they did it with such precision. 
and they would have have to they would have had to have been practicing it in practicing it in scrims you would imagine against someone against someone but it must not have been liquid because they like that's being caught with your pants down they they really had no clue which is yeah. pretty funny like i kind of wish i could i knew who was scrimming who like i almost think that like i wouldn't be shocked if c9 was scrimming tsm primarily because under the expectation that liquid would make finals like not that you can just assume that TSM's not going to make it, but like, or maybe they were scrimming both of them and right. just different strats prepared for each team that they weren't like, like, I just kind of wonder how on the team side and practice side that works. Cause mm. at this point, I mean, all these other teams have been like they're hundred thieves. Like they got knocked out. Why would they be scrimming when they can give their players a break? Right. Dignitas. Fucking evil geniuses. Why would these teams still be playing when they know they could just get started now, have like a two-month break through MSI? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they're not playing. And then come back refreshed and like, like, I feel like, they had to have something prepped for either one Mm -hmm. um, and kind of hidden some, some things. I think that's a really tough thing about late playoffs. Sure. Or maybe they're just doing internal scrims. Maybe they're just scrimming their Academy team. Academy team when they do stuff like that. Yeah. Like practice super standard against the other teams and then like lane swap and like, like jungle follow and do all the crazy stuff against your academy team. Yeah. And try things out. See if like, I think it makes it, I would be really curious, Hmm. really, really curious to see. Yeah. Cause like it was clean as fuck. It was really well done. It wasn't sloppy. It wasn't just like, Ooh, dude, what if we do this? And you know, like, uh, like you and your friends in solo queue, you know? Yeah. Um, but I mean that that last game too, like perks went off again on the Silas. Like just being on that pick is I think that's a really good pick for him because mm-hmm. it allows him it's to a really play good pick for the team. And yeah, like the the ultimate steals and stuff like that can just so be good. so so good. Like stealing a Hecarim ult. Stealing, what was funny? Like, pause right there. Stealing a Hecarim alt before even Hecarim had alt. That was the funniest moment in the game, bro. He literally just ran by the level four Hecarim, said thank you, and just kept running to the top lane and proceeded to use that alt to fuck our mouse top laner. It was. Yeah. So funny, bro. I was like, that's just that's too his, good. His Christmas gift got snatched out of his hands before he even got to open it. I know, I know. Like, it's so good. So good. He's like, thank you. Take that. I appreciate so you coming to my lane. Yeah, dude. So thank good. You. And then he ended the game at 10, 2, and 6, bro. It's like it's so reactive, and it is. It feels like a true like counter pick like oh yeah. okay you did that we're gonna do this now and it's just like 
go. God damn it. And not only that, like, yeah, he's a monster on it, bro. He it's starting to become like, like his champ. He comes to play and like, man, I wish that I wish that like Twitch chat wasn't just all copy paste stuff now. Yeah. Because back when Perks was like just starting out and everything, the memes, man, the whole my rise is bad, my Azir is worse. Yeah, that's right. I'm G2 Perks. Like, <laughs> no one's creative like that anymore. Everyone's just like Keck W, Keck W, Keck W, Poggers. Like, <laughs> get out of or copy pasting those crazy old like those things that were creative and stuff back in the day. And just right. like, man, the there's no there's no new bits anymore. I, that's I, need, I need fanfic. I don't need bits, dude. Give me fanfic. That's maybe in a boomer a little bit, I think. That I'm just okay. It was better in my day. Get off my lawn. <laughs> no, it's a, it's okay. You're allowed to have those every now and again, dude. Yeah. That game five, they literally beat them by fifteen thousand gold, and that was a fast game too. Yeah, I, don't remember, I don't remember how long it was exactly, but it, I think it was like 28 minutes or something like that. Like they cracked. I'm pretty sure they cracked uh, an inhib turret at like 17 minutes or something like that. Yeah. I think I'm um, pretty sure it was pretty quick. It was pretty quick. It was good. But with that said, Going into MSI, the mid-season invitational, baby. Cloud9 has made it after last year being snubbed by COVID-19. Uh, it, it dude, it was a it was a snub film. So I was I was excited because that would have kind of sucked for well, Sven and Vulcan and Blabber specifically. Uh who were on the team last year when they qualified for MSI, but the tournament was canceled. Um, so very excited to see how they perform in some international competition. Cause like last year didn't get to see any of it. They MSI got canceled and then they missed worlds. And it was like, well, yikes. bro G2 got spanked. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Like, I'm just looking over to see, like, who's all going to be at MSI. Yep. Rogue, uh, Rogue stomped them in the, the loser's bracket finals. Damn. Yeah. It's... Bro, is it? and then it's going to be DWG, Showmaker, Barrel, Ghost, Canyon, Khan... Okay, that's from LCK. Who's from LPL? Oh, um, LPL has not finished theirs yet. Gotcha, okay. So that happens uh, on Sunday. Nice. So yeah. Hell yeah, dude. I'm looking forward to the MSI. International tournaments are always fun. I yeah. hope the I hope the format's good. This one like these are like these are kind of lame, man. What's what? Yeah, I like the regular just quarter semis finals for just like regular, just for the tournaments. Like, what's with the gotcha. upper and lower brackets, bro? Single E limb. 
I don't. Eh, it doesn't bother me too much. Mm. I am a little bit, though, intrigued by Mad Lions. I'm a little bit intrigued by the amount of members on the T1 roster. How many people are on the T1 roster? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. There's 16 players listed anyway. What? Yeah, I don't know. That's a lot. Uh, um, who are you looking at? Uh, Mad Lions, because yeah. they... I don't, I've never heard of any of them. Well, they were, like, basically a mostly rookie squad last year. Uh, yeah. Performed really well in LEC. Um, kind of took it to, uh, took it to G2 a little bit, which was definitely interesting last year. And then to see them like come out on top, I think throughout the LEC season, a lot of people were, had high expectations of, uh, Rogue and G2 being the, uh, champion, the finals matchup and to see mad lions kind of come out over top of both of them is it's pretty cool because they've got a lot of just really young talent like if you're looking at their team only two of their players played on an lcs team before 2020 like arome and humanoid were both on splice in oh okay gotcha and that was it the rest everyone else entered lec spring of 2020 damn dude so very impressive to me um i don't know dude nothing nobody beating reckless in the finals is impressive to me just choke artist reckless yeah, I mean, you're. It's basically a four v five whenever he's in the playoffs. Brutal, brutal. Bro, he lost his chance to be talked about as like one of the great players. He had, he he was he was the quintessential like sports thing where he was amazing his rookie year. To the degree that people thought he was going to be godlike, and then from there he just like trickled downward. The only benefit to Reckless was that he was on good teams, so the turd wasn't so turdy. But dude, if he was okay. on like okay. some bottom, like some bottom tier, like place eight nine <laughs> team. This Reckless some, would look like garbage. This is some Aaron versus Freak type uh, <laughs> trash talk. Uh, I definitely, to some extent, see where you're coming from, but I would still say he's been one of the, one of the top eighty carries in LEC and European LCS for a number of years. I'd say based on his team getting good results. I'd say top three to four 80 carries for every season that he's played. In my mind, he's definitely a top 10 ADC every year. He's definitely in the top 10, I would say. But of, I, of European 80 carries. My my biggest concern is some of the attitude issues that he's had over the years with like 
not playing and just deciding not to play when uh, mages were in the bot lane instead of actually learning how to play them and different things like that. I still think he's solid, but clearly I think uh, Perks being on G2, uh, him was leaving. a better move. Yeah. Big, bigger difference maker. For yeah, two, for sure. Like, yeah. I mean, it, the there was a lot of talk about like, oh, but Caps is a better mid laner than Perks, and oh, Reckless is a better AD carry than Perks. Like, but Perks was, and that's questionable. Perks was a pretty damn good AD carry too. Yeah, um, but I think that they were like, ah, we're still gonna have studs, but. Perks is like a freak, man. He is. I Perk, think Perks like does the work of like two players. It seems he has to be the Western goat. Like if if Perks had been around playing like as like top tier and being a top player back when Cloud Nine had just come into LCS and stuff like that, he would a hundred percent be considered. Like they would have, they would have been talking about how much of a freak he was because he's able to play so well and he's a shot caller and a team leader. Like right. no one talks about like the whole shot caller thing like they used to, but, and I'm not saying he's the only one making calls, but the fact of how much of a leader he is and how knowledgeable he is on the game, like, right. well, his impact is so good it's so huge as far as championships and stuff like that he is the winningest player in the west right he's the western goat he's one of two people that have won a lec or eu lcs and na lcs title who's the other one bjergsen sven oh sven (laughs) oh damn great and they're on the same team yeah no okay Here's here's a hot take. I think if I think if you're going to talk about like all around greatest of all time, I think the um I think the amount of championships you win, I think like longevity as a player, all of those things like matter and I think there aren't very few players that are in that conversation really. But if we're talking about just pure mechanics, just pure mechanics as in like the best player in the West, I think the true answer would surprise a whole lot of people of like who is like actually in that conversation. So like, like think of, think of the conversation for greatest rapper alive. Okay. And Mm. there's all sorts of barnacles on that conversation. But if you actually wanted to talk about like, and okay, so I shouldn't have said greatest rapper alive. Let's just say, like, just just go all around greatest right. all-time rapper. Yeah. But if you wanted to talk about, let okay, let's just have a conversation about who are the best rappers, not who have commercial success, not the best live shows, not the best whatever. the The greatest rappers and the best rappers is a totally different conversation. Like my argument for goat, like I, the, the things that come to mind of like what makes somebody a goat isn't necessarily always 
the amount of championships and rings that you have. Like, I'm not saying I'm not saying that he's not the goat. I just find that when you're having these conversations, sometimes you want to set up expectations and like, what are we actually talking about? Definitely. Because the only reason I say any of that is because when you said goat for like of the West, you West know who. Yeah. You know who I thought of, and I, and you may be able to read my mind. Guess who I thought of when you said that, um, and it's very far from any of the players that we just talked about. The person that I in, thought of was Froggin. Froggin, okay, that's a good guess. I was thinking Forgiven. That oh, dude was a monster, and yeah. not just in his own region. Even in international com- competition, I remember this cast when he was going up against Uzi and he was giving Uzi I problems in lane. He was and, a freak, man. Dude, yes, he was a freak, bro. That is, that is the true Greek freak, uh, as opposed to any of you NBA fans out there. Forgiven is the Greek freak. Dude, like that guy was insane. It's, so yeah, I think I, I think Perks, yeah, him him being the winningest player is just a fact. But I think mechanically there have been better players than him um, on other teams and in you know I, other I areas. Argue, I would argue mechanically that young Dardock was a better player than ninety eight or ninety nine percent of players in LCS. Just like solely mechanically based, that dude like when he. I've never seen him play like a Zed or a, you and know what I mean? Tougher, like it's tougher from the jungle role. Like, right. You just play but, like team fighters. So that's hard. But some of the, when he would be on like mechanically difficult champions, like the Lee Sins and things like that, dude was a sure. fucking animal. Like, yeah. He, his mechanics were were insane, and not that he's like shit now or anything, but he right. like when he first came onto the scene and was a hothead and was talking about how he was better than everyone else. He fucking played like it too. Like he went out there and he wasn't like shying down from anything. Right. He very much had a similar attitude to Forgiven that he was like, "I am better than you. I'm gonna." put you in the fucking ground and like came out to do that in every game which is a killer's mentality bro like yeah but that but that has trouble lasting up in a team it does uh, it does it does and that's and that's what separates you know the winningest player from the mechanical best it's right. like you have issues with that and that's and that's perfectly fine i was just setting up all that to say like I I think of other players when you think of like just pure mechanics, pure in-game so, cojones, you know. So which one is that? So if you who are you saying that like Forgiven is the best player? I yeah, I think Forgiven would be in the conversation for Yeah. Okay. But, yeah. but Forgiven would be the like the best player, like League of Legends player. Yeah. 
Okay, that I gotcha. I gotcha. I'm just or like, at least in that conversation for yeah, the top yeah. three spots or whatever. I'm just like differentiating, like yeah, yeah, which yeah, yeah. one is which in the conversation. And yeah, yeah, I do agree. I don't think Perks is gonna like mechanically outplay Forgiven or like some of the other players. He's really good mechanically, like very good. No, very not. good. But his all around package is. He's right. got a huge package. A <laughs> massive package. This guy's package is so large, he's like two whole people. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, forget the like tripod thing. We're talking like whole whole bodies now. There whole we go. Other body. Third option for title. The perks package. The perks package. <laughs> That's hilarious. Perks's package. <laughs> the perks the perks is package just a bad dick jokes uh there's no such thing as a bad dick joke <laughs> large veiny bastard i always think of the um from super bad <laughs> yeah that condition of just drawing dicks on everything he yeah. had the notebook full of like dicks and he's like not not little tiny dicks like thick veiny <laughs> bastards so good oh jonah hill <laughs> you, you you can tell where i get my uh my my comedy starts from same gonna be famous one day don't you know don't worry we already are because we've got the number one f1 podcast and you heard it here first folks the tall and short of it going worldwide but uh i guess anything else we want to touch on with the um LCS finals and and all we've got. No, I think we've sucked their dicks for, enough, to be honest. I, I think so. Yeah, some some big veiny, some bastards. big perks package, dude. Come in and try the perks package. Oh well, in that case, since we uh we don't have any more dick jokes to make, uh, well we might, but we're gonna move on. Yeah, um, no, no dick jokes for me. We do have this week's deck tech, so I'll let you uh, start getting set up and everything. But the uh, commander for this deck is the Prime Speaker Vanifar. We've got, uh, she is an, a legendary creature, an elf ooze wizard. Ooh, ooze. That's a little uncomfortable. It's, it's, a, it's a fun... Um... It's a fun, uh, they call them like tribes in magic. It's a fun tribe. Everybody okay. loves a good ooze, dude. There you go. Uh, transitioning from dick jokes to ooze. But uh, her ability is to sacrifice another creature. You can search your library for a creature card with a converted mana cost equal to one. Plus the sacrifice creature's converted mana cost. Put that card on the battlefield. Shuffle your library, and you can use this anytime that you could cast a sorcery card. So, so basically, what the sorcery means is that I can only do it like on my turn, and I can't do it in response to things like on the stack. I can't do it there, at instant speed. But are there any cards that allow you to cast sorceries at instant speed? no okay because i know that there are some abilities uh like haste i think 
that mm-hmm. allow you to do things at instant speed. So I wasn't sure if uh, there were any that would allow you to to cast sorceries at instant speed because that would be busted. That would be that would well. It may it may the being able to do it at instant speed. Yes, is rather busted now that and now that you ask, I do have one. It doesn't mean I can do her ability because that's an ability. Um, but if you can, where's the land? It's, um, uh, Alchemist Refuge. This says you may cast non-land cards this turn as though they had flash, meaning you can cast them at instant speed. That doesn't allow me to do her. Um, but if I wanted to get like my combo creatures onto the battlefield before my turn, um, I could do it that way. But, okay, got yeah, it. it doesn't it doesn't let me activate her um off turn though. So hmm. Yes, sir. Okay, never mind. I it was gonna be a dumb question once I read the ability for Alchemist's Refuge. So cool. Never mind. It was about when you would be able to um utilize that ability but you have to tap it to use the ability on its turn so right you wouldn't be able to tap that at any point to just like do that you would have to set it up earlier yeah yeah i would have to like plan for a turn like that so that yeah. that's what my question was going to be so gotcha okay I, yeah I so the the name of the deck um they call this effect like a birthing pod effect um so birthing pod is you're turning one creature into another um sometimes in the cedh community they just call it like evolution um because there's a card called eldritch evolution um that bring like it gets you creatures up the mana value uh like curve so this deck wins in a couple of ways, both one of both ways using Prime Speaker Vanifar as the main piece. So the one line of victory is to use her as a tutor in the command zone to get my two drop and my three drop, which are the Vigian Graph Mage and Incubation Druid, which you saw before from the Yarrick package. These together make infinite mana. And then we have some outlets for infinite mana to get my deck in my hand or make all of my creatures super powerful and swing out. So that's one way to win, where instead of looking to go all the way up a chain, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, to get to a really big creature quickly, um, I just need to get a one and a two drop to be able to get to these guys and have an outlet, and then I can win. So that's using Vanifar as um, pretty much just like a hard tutor from the command zone. The other way that we can win is using Vanifar to go search for untappers. Things that say when they enter the battlefield, untap another target creature. So when the thing hits the battlefield, 
we can untap her and do it again, right? And just optimally go up a chain. Now, how do we get that combo going? So that's what the main rest of the deck is kind of set up to do, is have um, really quick and concise ways to get all the way up the line. So you need ways to untap her if the creature, when it enters, doesn't untap. Um, you also may need ways to give them haste, so... You'll need cards like Concordant Crosswords, which is an enchantment. Gives all creatures haste. All creatures, not just yours, notably. So when you're playing that, you want to hopefully get pretty far up your, you know, pretty far into your game plan before you give your opponents access to haste. Mm. Um, one of my favorite untappers in the deck is Intruder Alarm. So it says... Whenever a creature comes into play, untap all creatures. So if I have this in play, no matter what route I'm going up, um, I can use any of my creatures to go all the way up the line. This is pretty much like a free Vanifar game. If I draw this, that's that's a very helpful card. Uh, we have Scrib Ranger. That's a good untapper. Um, so we have a bunch of ways to untap Prime Speaker Vanifar. But where are we going with Prime Speaker Vanifar when when our combo is kind of going? So optimally, you'd want to have a Lanoir Elves, a one-mana creature on the battlefield. So you get your Lanoir Elves on the battlefield, and then you tap and sacrifice him. Then you, you get go grab your two-drop, and you go all the way up the line. And now you've actually caught me in a funny spot here because I'm changing the very top end of the deck. So it ends at eight. I don't see much reason to go past eight because a Is nine that, drop. Would that be your Lorthos or would it be the Hydroid? That's the Lorthos, the Tide Maker, the big gotcha. fucking octopus guy. The, the hydroid has X mana. Right. So you have the ability to go past eight with that technically. Correct? No. In no. my library, Hydroid Crisis is a two drop. Gotcha. Yeah. And he has zero toughness. So if he hits the battlefield, he just dies. He just goes right to the graveyard. Gotcha. Yeah. But if I put six mana into the X on the stack, he would be considered um, a mana value of eight card. It's very odd how things like that work. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So I'm at, this is a, a fine place to talk about it. So I'm actually thinking about changing my very top end, Lorthos. So it says, when he attacks, you can pay eight mana. If you do, tap up to eight target permanents, and those don't untap during their controller's untap steps. Why doesn't this seem that good? Because if I'm, let's say I'm able to go all the way up the chain on like turn three or turn four, right? I still have to get to my turn five to, for this to do anything, and I probably don't have eight mana to tap down eight big things, right? That's like, I probably have four or five mana. So, mm. I'm thinking of changing it to something that just, like, 
like either kills some things or like draws me cards or something um, to do when it enters the battlefield. So my top end is going to change, but how we get there is all the same. So we have untappers, we have card draw, we have ramp, we have all sorts of stuff to get there. Um, ways to tutor up our combo creatures, ways to protect our combos. We also have blue sun zenith, which is another outlet. Um, basically when building these decks, my goal is to kind of figure out my game plan. How do I want to win? And then just hone in on those strategies, find ways to draw cards and ramp in those, uh, within that, within that strategy. So those, that's kind of like the main thing that I'm doing, uh, with the prime speaker Vanifar deck. Now, do you have any questions, sir? Um, so then, I guess just if you're changing the top of your deck, what kind of card would you be looking for instead to replace Lorthos? It just because I mean, he is an eight-eight, so he is pretty strong. Um, yeah, look up Terastodon. That's that's the card that I'm thinking about putting in because that like does something. So he'd be. Eight mana. When Terastodon enters the battlefield, you may destroy up to three target non-creature permanents for each permanent put into a graveyard this way. Its controller creates a 3-3 three, three green elephant creature token. So, yeah. So when you jump in, you can destroy three of your opponent's cards could be anyone mm -hmm. so you could really it could be lands as well which is kind of what people. i'm thinking you can fuck people's strategies pretty hard with that plus yeah. you get three 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 elephants well they the opponent gets the three three because it's their thing dying oh but... I don't necessarily care about a 3-3 if I kill the thing that's winning you a game, right? Yeah. Often the 3-3s never matter. Like, they're supposed to be a downside, but they're so minimal, they just, they never matter. They never, ever matter. So killing something early game is so much better than, like, not being able to tap down anything with this, like, 8-drop that doesn't do anything. So I'm thinking that's, like, one key swap that I'm going to make at the top end. I, I like Terastodon a whole lot better. Gotcha. I like but that. Now, if you would like to see some of the, the flashy cards in the deck, I want to show you just one. And I'm I'm scrolling through the whole thing just so if anybody cares. But we have an old Birds of Paradise. Love that guy. Okay. We have a foil corridor monitor, which is my two drop. He's like, this guy's quintessential to the deck. He's very important because the three mana slot is like is heavy. Right, there's a lot of things that I can go get at three mana. Um, so the corridor monitor tends to be pretty important. We have an old soul ring, old art, old border. We love that. And then my favorite, and I don't know where it is. Is it here? Drum roll. I don't know why I love it so much, but it's the foil basic forest from M21. 
I just love the art treatment and the way it looks. It's so insane. And then there's a foil growth spiral in here somewhere that just looks beautiful. So this is, um, uh, here it is, my foil growth spiral. And hold up um, the uh, hold up the foil forest also again. Oh hell yeah! There you go. Very cool. I like I the. I like it at the the even at the bottom, like where it's just the little tree. Like, yep. how, yeah, the effect that looks cool. It's got the little shadow around it, and then we've got the foil Minamo. This thing's awesome. Be able to untap her on a land. Feels pretty good. So, yeah, we've got all the bells and whistles, a lot of counterspell package, big removal package. Um, as you see, there's 20 instants in the deck. Uh, most of those are either um, counter something or kill something. Um, so I have a lot of answers to my opponents. This is... Like I said in the beginning, maybe eventually we'll get to the decks that are like of lesser power, but these are all decks in my top nine. So I, I put my most competitive, my most competitive cards in. If you scroll down, you can look. Um, the average mana value without lands is 2.6. Um, so at any given time when I'm going to draw a card, the chance of it being three or less is very high, uh, meaning most of my things are castable at any time in the game, which is kind of where you want to be uh, to be competitive in Magic. Um, gotcha. Few enchantments, but the enchantments that are there are like really high value. Um, Concordant Crossroads, Giving Haste, Guardian Project, and Verity Circle drawing cards, Intruder Alarm, big combo piece, and Wild Growth is Ramp. Um, so yeah, pretty much card by card. I, I don't want to do like a card by card analysis, but, um, when I build these decks, I try and be the most efficient and get the most out of every card. Um, and just have, I think the number one word that I think of when I try and brew decks is just redundancy, just have multiple ways to get the effect that I'm looking for. Definitely. And you, you yeah. have to have a backup plan. And so it's nice that this deck is not so one dimensional that you don't have opportunities to win in different ways. Um, that's especially when you're playing three other people and they're all going with their game plan. That makes a big difference. More I think exactly. to have some, uh, some ways out if need be. I definitely agree. And then because I'm such a big proponent of it and he's right here, we always talk about secret commanders. I think it's a, an interesting element. Uh, we've got Eryxmethy's Slumbering Isle. Um, so he's a big boy, big 12-12, taps for green and a blue. Um, once you cast some spells, you can turn him into a big creature. And he's what I would call the uh, the beats plan, where if my combo falls apart, I can always just go get a big creature and hope to just beat people's health down that way with a big 12-12. Gotcha. Makes, makes short work of them. But yeah, man, that is my Prime Speaker Vanifar Commander deck. Uh, we I will put the link to the Mox field in... Um, in the details of the uh, of the video and the audio, if you're listening on Anchor, um, but yeah, that was uh, Prime Speaker Vanifar on the tall and short of it. Aaron, what you got for the end of the pod here? Uh, not really much else. I uh, just want to thank everyone, of course, for listening to another episode. Uh, keep your eyes out for the upcoming bonus episode three that we're going to have coming up uh, this weekend on Sunday for uh, the F1 race. Super pumped for Imola. Um, 
Yeah, that's about all I got, man. Okay, uh, let me uh, let me swap my headphones and I'll say goodbye to the people here. Sounds good. So we're back here. We got video, and we are. The oh, there we go. Yep. Into the microphone, you can hear me now. So yeah, look for look for the race companion this Sunday for the Imola uh, for the Imola race. We will be slowly working on things um, as we uh, figure out different strategies, what's going to work for the pod, what's going to work best for the viewers. Um, we are trying to bring you the best content that we know how, and as we learn more, we'll bring it to you guys. But that is another episode of the Tall and Short of It. Peace out, everybody. Hi there, everyone. And now there's going to be dead air here while I get this to record or to close out. All good. Bang.